0: I'm Glenn Crooks, and this is On Frame. New York City FC, they'll try to rebound from a 2-1 defeat at Atlanta United last Sunday when they meet up with the expansion side, FC Cincinnati, this Saturday in Ohio. DJ Schweitzer covers FCC for Pro Soccer USA, and he's got a detailed preview for us, including a profile of FCC's third coach, in their very first MLS season. Also, you'll meet Eric Miller. He's the newest member of the New York City Football Club, satisfying the need for more depth at the back. Miller, a guy that may be the victim of his versatility. You'll learn more about the Minnesota native in my one-on-one interview coming up. First, is there something amiss with the boys in blue? Four losses in their last seven matches. And a stretch of games where the playing style has strayed from the head coach's intent. City head coach Dome Tarran He describes why his team had so
1: much difficulty with Atlanta United. We play all the time long ball. I don't know the reason why. I say my play is the second half. If you play every single ball, long ball, forget about it. It's impossible to play. In the build-up, we play 100%, 100% the first half build up and I say many times look what happened play long ball recover the ball we defend deep uh, they have a species in between the lines and I don't like before the game I say to you I don't like when we, we have to play this kind of uh, games box to box uh, and we play in the first half box to box the reason why because uh, the build up all the time uh, was uh, long ball long ball long ball and I say no long ball is we practice a lot to long balls to surprise them, and uh, we surprise with uh, Tati. I remember the the, yellow, the, the red card, I know the red card, the yellow card. But uh, we practice a lot, uh, play short. That is our style, play short. And the second half we play a little bit short, and we play much better. But I don't like when the when the game is about. Uh, the first half is long ball, long ball, long ball, and, and play quickly. Both teams, both teams is the, was for me a crazy, crazy game because both teams play quickly. Uh, we can score, we could score. They they could score at least six goals or seven goals. Uh, Alana, and we could score maybe three.
0: So. Torant wants to play short to help set up the long pass when it's on. It's clear that is what they train. Fair enough. But why the recent difficulties? He said it starts with Sean Johnson.
1: No, I have to convince the first one, my, my keeper. The first one and the second one, my centre-backs. Because it's impossible to Sean play short if the centre-backs uh, uh, don't stay in the right position to play. But we have to take risks and we play much better in, against uh, every single team, against uh, Galaxy, against DC, against... They make have pressing as well. But uh, we play with confidence against this team. And you have to play in the same way here. What is the reason? Why you play uh, different against Alara? If you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But I prefer to uh, lose the game when you try to play uh, well uh, soccer. You have to be brave in Atlanta. If you want to play here, you have to be brave. If not, forget about it. If you are scared here, forget about it. Uh, stay in, in New York, you have to play and you have to be brave. And is the, the best way to try to win here in Atlanta. Or not, if not, uh, if they have the control and you play all the time quickly, quickly and lose the ball in three seconds, it's impossible to win here. Take risks,
0: be brave be courageous that's the message very clear from the head coach and reiterated by the captain Alex Ring
1: yeah, if we want to be a top team we have to we have to play better it's that simple I think in the first 50 60 minutes we we like basic things uh, most of all courage you can win games if you don't play play with your heart with courage uh, if you only play the safe ball So, yeah, I think there's a lot to think about after this game. And
0: now the team with the worst record in MLS. Up next for New York City, FC Cincinnati. This week celebrating their fourth year as a professional franchise. Their record 5-17-3. It's the expansion season in MLS. Going up against New York City FC this Saturday. City in their fifth year of existence, all in MLS. The record 10-5-8 for uh, 36 points, which is double that of uh, the expansion side they will meet. It's the second-ever contest between the two. City winning handily at Yankee Stadium back on June the 6th, the final 5-2. Both Cincinnati goals in that match, own goals by Eber and Sebastian Ibiaga. So uh, the home side Saturday looking for its first Natural goal, I guess, against New York City. Time to welcome in, and we want to bring him back. We uh, previewed the, the, the first match between these two. Uh, DJ uh, Schweitzer, uh, he has been covering FC Cincinnati for years, well before their MLS launch. He writes for Pro Soccer USA. Also catch him at wrong side of the pond. DJ, welcome back to On Frame. Uh, how are you?
2: Not too bad, Glenn. Thanks for having me on again.
0: A, a lot of things have changed uh, since the last time we spoke. I believe Alan Koch had just been sacked, and uh, ahead of the, uh, the the first New York City game, or may- maybe it was uh, a month into it, uh, and then there was an interim coach. And now I, I think uh, the the way we start this one, Columbus two. FC Cincinnati 2 in the most uh, recent match at Mopfrey, and it was under uh, the third coach in their MLS history, which sounds crazy. That's right. Uh, Ron Jans. So tell us about Ron Jans.
2: Yeah, Ron Jans, uh, first match in charge of the orange and blue up in Columbus for the Hell is Real Derby. Uh, so it's certainly a baptism by fire, uh, pun intended in that respect. Uh, but that said, it was a, a good first showing for the Dutch manager. He's a 60-year-old, most recently managed Peck Zwolle uh, in the Dutch Eredivisie, uh, and had a decent record with them, uh, but nothing super impressive. It wouldn't be like a, a a managerial record that really was sparkling. But what he does have an effort and, and capability of doing is getting smaller clubs to punch above their weight. Uh, in his first season with Peck Zwolle, he won the Dutch Cup and actually beat Uh, Dutch powers, I X five to one in the final. So he is that type of manager that uh, is able to get the, you know, a a greater sum uh, than the parts that he has at his disposal. Uh, he's also quite the character, has a really great sense of humor, um, said in his opening press conference that he didn't come here to be funny, uh, but it definitely seems like being funny is a part of his personality. Um, so after having Alan Koch, who is a little bit more reserved uh, emotionally, doesn't show a whole lot in that sense, uh, we're back to having someone who's a little bit more jovial after we had a John Harks for the first coach. So uh, first game, good game in charge, maybe a little bit of a new manager bounce, uh, but we uh, we have higher expectations for him here in Cincinnati.
0: Now I have some Dutch friends who uh, offer a, a fine sense of humor, but generally speaking, the Dutch are, are not noted, especially uh, those that uh, we've seen uh, on the managerial side. Frank de Boer in Atlanta, you know, you don't uh, you don't take him for a guy with you know uh, yucking it up with his. Uh, players or his staff uh van gaal you know same just very uh you don't get much of that so this is this is nice this is a nice change
2: yeah absolutely and you know after having a first coach like john harks who's a bit of a media darling um a lot of times uh having alan Koch some of the fans and even some of the media just didn't have that ability to relate with him. So having a new coach in who has some personality to him has definitely been a positive already. You can kind of see that relationship being built uh, between the media. And, and that's something that FC Cincinnati need right now is kind of a positive influence and uh, in that kind of light when it's been kind of a dark season for us. Now, Jans,
0: when I just kind of reviewed his uh, his resume, his CV, the thing that really stood out is that he coached Luis Suarez. He uh, So that's Luis right. Suarez was uh, got his start as a professional, maybe not his absolute start, but uh, so uh, I had forgotten Suarez uh, played in Holland.
2: Yeah, that's right, at Groningen. Uh, so, yeah, he had a, a couple different clubs that he led, uh Pexuola being the one that he represented as a player, uh, as captain, and ultimately as manager, and spent the most time there. Uh, but he did have a spell at Groningen, and Suarez was on uh, his watch while he was there. So he, he definitely has an impressive resume of managing bigger egos, for whereas uh, while not the, the player of his stature that he is now uh, during his time in Holland, uh, certainly had a presence to him. And if, if you can have that type of manager at your disposal, it's a good thing uh, for, for a club that's kind of wrangled with problems at the moment.
0: And just before we leave the coach, uh, he and the general manager, uh, this was no uh, accident. They've had a previous marriage, yeah?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So uh, current and new uh, general manager here in Cincinnati, Gerard Niekamp, also Dutch, came from Pexuola. He was the technical director at that club and actually hired Jans to be the manager at the club. So the two have a great working relationship. You could see that they had that between the two of them. Uh, And as it turns out, uh, Jans was on a bit of a coaching sabbatical. He wasn't sure if he wanted to get back into that. Uh, And his old friend, Gerard called him up and said, hey, I've got a new project for you here in Cincinnati. And it was enough to get him back out.
0: All right. So uh, Ron Jans uh, leading the way, trying to get Cincinnati back uh, or into some sort of respectability. Uh, Currently with the... With the bottom record uh, out of the twenty-four uh, in MLS, now, what is this hell is real derby? I may have missed something along the way. I saw the hashtag. I, I kind of saw it previewed. That's the so Columbus Cincinnati meeting for for the first time in MLS. I guess they met uh, in USL or Cincinnati was USL, Columbus was MLS. But uh, but their first MLS meeting. So wh- where is the the what's the uh, the origins of hell is real?
2: Yeah, so the hell is real, uh, Darby, describes the the matchup between FC Cincinnati and the Columbus crew. Uh, that previous meeting was in the U.S. Open Cup in 2017 when FC Cincinnati upset the crew 1-0 at Nippert Stadium. Uh, really, really cool atmosphere. And the, the name of the rivalry, rivalry actually came from the fans it was spontaneously, literally in the same day, a group of fans from Cincinnati and a group of fans from Columbus were discussing this concept online. And if you've ever driven the route up I-71 in between Cincinnati and Columbus, it's a short drive, only about an hour and a half, two hours uh, from downtown to downtown. If you've ever made that drive, you will undoubtedly have seen a roadside billboard that very clearly big black billboard in white letters with a red H. It says hell is real. Uh, (laughs) Cincinnati and Columbus fall within to a bit of a Bible belt. And it's not unusual to see the Ten Commandments posted up on billboards uh, from place to place. And this is amongst a series of these religious billboards. And the hell is real one is the one that almost everyone knows. It's kind of talked about. Uh, And there's been some discussions. I think Ohio State uh, and uh, the University of Cincinnati, when they played each other in football a couple of years ago, utilized it as well. Uh, So there's been some use of it before, but it has really taken on a life of its own. Uh, within the MLS rivalry, and it's become a really cool environment because there's such an awesome overlap of former crew fans here in Cincinnati because we didn't have an MLS team for the first 22 years that the league was around. A lot of us became crew fans. Myself, having grown up here, I was a crew season ticket holder off and on throughout my youth and into my post-college years. And then when SC Cincinnati came along, obviously a lot of people shifted their allegiances. So there are a lot of friendships Uh, Almost a friendly derby, if you will, if you want to make an analogy to the Everton-Liverpool derby over in Merseyside. So um, uh, a really cool environment, and Hell is Real is a kind of apt way of describing something that a lot of us never thought would come to fruition. Uh,
0: And it was great to see uh, over 20,000 at Mopfre for this match. And uh, and when you look at the attendance figures uh, at FC Cincinnati... Third in the league, I think, is the, the most recent uh, look, with you, uh, averaging close to 28,000 a game. So uh, despite the uh, mm-hmm. maybe less than attractive soccer at times, uh, the support are still coming out at Nippert Stadium.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The attendance has been uh, a bit. I don't want to call it a surprise. Cincinnati built itself a reputation over its first three years in the USL of being a, a city that supports its its new soccer club. Um, and even despite the struggles, they have continued to pump out good attendances. Um, there's certainly an undercurrent of dissatisfaction with the results, uh, while there's certainly an understanding, too, of a, you know, this is an expansion club. But the fans really have continued to support in great numbers. And when these two teams meet again for the second leg of the Hell is Real Derby in, in just a couple weeks uh, in Cincinnati on Sunday, it's I, I fully expect we'll see a, a sellout in the neighborhood of 32,000.
0: All right, we're with D.J. Schweitzer, who uh, covers the FC Cincinnati expansion side for Pro Soccer USA, and Cincinnati getting ready to host New York City FC on uh, Saturday. What are uh, folks uh, saying about New York City uh, over there in Ohio?
2: Well, obviously, with uh, the appointment of Ron Jans as the the new head coach here in Cincinnati, there's a a newfound optimism. Of course, we've also added a few players, uh, in the transfer window, um, some of which uh, will be familiar to the New York audience, at least from your own Hudson River Derby. Uh, so we picked up Derek Etienne Jr., uh, the the Pacey winger uh, slash striker slash attacking midfielder from the New York Red Bulls. Uh, we also brought in Andrew Goodman, uh, the former Chicago Fire uh, Academy product who is was uh, picked up by Celtic. He is on loan after uh, failing to Uh, Gain a visa over there And he spent a little bit of time playing with Charlotte uh, In the USL as well Uh, And he made an immediate impact In that Columbus match this past weekend Um, And then of course we also picked up Joe Jiao, the former US international Current US international uh, Who has spent all eight of his professional Career years over in Germany Um, So three big acquisitions For the club, so there's some optimism Heading into this match Um, But there have been points of optimism throughout The season for FC Cincinnati A hot start out of the gates, uh, followed by a a couple match winning streak after a long losing streak uh, in the middle of the season right after the firing of Alan Koch. Um, And so there is a little bit of a feeling that this might yet again be another false dawn. But there's some optimism here, new coach, uh, an eye towards the future, and uh, a chance to give these guys who are here on loan, such as Etienne Jr., uh, a a chance to prove themselves uh, and perhaps endear themselves.
0: Yeah, so you know, and and Junior, he's only twenty two years old, you know, and he had uh, you know homegrown for the Red Bulls, kid from New Jersey, uh, and had really been uh, almost a, a regular reserve, if you can put it that way, uh, and a spot starter previous two years, but this year not quite getting the uh, uh, the the same sort of minutes. So good move for him, and uh, and maybe FC Cincinnati will get a little bolt. Uh, and uh, something to bolster their attack. So you've got Alan Cruz as the goal-scoring leader with four goals. Among all the different things, is this, this inability to, to score uh, a little bit more frequently, has, be, has that been the, uh, the biggest difficulty?
2: Well, <clears throat> that combined with a pretty leaky defense uh, has certainly big, been the biggest problem for FC Cincinnati in this inaugural MLS campaign. Uh, the, if you want to kind of circle the, the problem that's the biggest within that attack, you have to immediately point towards a designated player, uh, Fernando Adi, who has had issues on and off the field all season. Um, and, and those include fitness. They include legal issues with a DUI, which was eventually dismissed, um, as well as just a, a, a complete inability to find the back of the net.
0: Well, oh, he's got one goal. And, he's got one
2: goal. Yeah. So you you, you uh, had to figure
0: field. they 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 had to figure ten to twelve goals bare minimum, right?
2: Oh, absolutely, especially for a player at his salary of about one point nine uh, guaranteed for the season. So you, you can start there, uh, but then when you look into the range, you have a Darren Maddox who I, I believe is on three goals for the season. Um, you know, not necessarily the the haul you would expect from the Jamaican international, especially after he showed well again at the Gold Cup. Um, and then there's uh, Rashawn Daly, who's the, the rookie, who's actually gotten a bunch of starts uh, due to the absences of Maddox and Adi uh, throughout the course of the season. So they've just not had goals. You mentioned in the previous matchup between NYCFC and, and FCC, both of FCC's goals were own goals. And that's kind of indicative of the type of season they've had in front of the net. They just struggled to convert chances. They do tend to produce more than you would expect for a club that struggles to score. But their conversion rate has been extremely poor.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I talked to Eber recently for the New York City striker. Uh, prior to the last game, they hadn't ha- had not had a headed goal. And I, I said, are you going to be the first one to score a headed goal? And he said, I already did against FC Cincinnati. <laughs> that was one of the own goals. That <laughs> was that was his hat trick. Uh, but he scored two uh, yeah, that's right. for New York City, but also uh, one for uh, FC Cincinnati. Well, yeah, when you look at the stats, 25 goals scored. That's the low figure in MLS but also 57 goals conceded which is the uh, also the largest figure uh, in MLS so that uh, gives you a minus 32 goals against i i don't know what the record for uh, for worst goals against i mean uh, worst goal differential but my goodness that's uh, that's difficult to deal with you're not going to you're not going to win many matches in that respect
2: no you certainly aren't uh, and and as i kind of hinted at earlier the, the defense has been another one of those big problems. And part of it, again, is injury-induced. Greg Garza, one of the big-name players the club uh, acquired before the start of the season, has, again, faced a lengthy set of spells on the sideline, uh, still recovering, and he's been out about six weeks at this point. Um, So that's been an issue for them. Uh, They've also had to deal with international departures back there as well, uh, with Captain uh, Kendall Waston, uh, who, who missed action due to the Gold Cup with Costa Rica, as well as Alvis Powell, um, who was with Jamaica. Although when he has been with the team, it's not necessarily helped to quell uh, any sort of goals from the opposition. Um, So it's just been it's been a struggle for FC Cincinnati this year. They've had to rely on a a 34 year old Justin Hoyt, uh, the former Arsenal player, while he certainly has a decent pedigree to him. Uh, has lost the legs a little bit in some respects so it's been a struggle for this team to to score goals but just as big of a problem to prevent them from going in at the other end
0: well you've got a a new goalkeeper at least uh, new to the New York City uh, fans Uh, he's uh, played I think the last five matches but also the MLS team of the week uh, given a lot of credit for the 2-2 draw at Mopfrey with some late saves tell us about him
2: yeah, uh, I, I can understand why you would have avoided his name. Przemyslaw uh, <laughs> Teton uh, is the name of the goalkeeper. He's a Polish international, uh, has had, uh, I think, over a dozen caps for the Polish national team, mostly uh, backing up some bigger name goalkeepers, uh, but has a decent pedigree to him and came in. And there was an expectation be- going into the season that he would be one of the bigger star players for this FC Cincinnati expansion club. Um, and an early injury in the season unseated him, uh, and gave uh, youngster, Spencer Ritchie, um, a good run of goals. And he himself earned a couple MLS team of the week appearances. Um, but with Ritchie himself now injured, uh, Teton has come back into the fold, uh, and, and had an absolutely mind blowing game against Columbus. Um, and you, you would expect he will get a good run of games under his belt now, uh, that he had that type of showing. So, uh, al- along with the arrival uh, of Dutch defender Mikel Vandiverf, uh, we should hopefully see a little bit of a steadying of things, along with Andrew Gutmann's introduction and then Garcia's nearing return, too. So if we can get this back line healthy, I- I'm intrigued to see what these pieces can actually do uh, to improve the defensive record that they've had to deal with to date.
0: And, and do you anticipate uh, New York City just... Uh Played Atlanta United and Frank de Boer, you know uh, the Dutch. He he has uh, taken his time to build the the Atlanta uh, franchise in his vision, and he uh, he received a lot of criticism early on. But now Atlanta United looking uh, quite sharp, and uh, as the defending MLS Cup champions, uh, they're uh, they're considered one of the top teams in the league once again. What do you see from uh, the new coach, Ron Yans? Is it, uh, is it strictly Dutch? Is it going to be 4 3 3? Bill out of the back? Uh, what do you anticipate?
2: Yeah, so what's been really interesting about this transitionary period for FC Cincinnati and head coach Yuan DeMay, uh, or excuse me, interim head coach Yuan DeMay uh, leading the charge in between uh, was that. With Gerard Niekamp's hiring earlier in the summer, they kind of had an idea that they wanted to play more of a system-based uh, setup in Cincinnati. Um, and so Damien went ahead with the introduction of kind of the Dutch system that, that Niekamp wanted the manager that he would hire to utilize. So FCC, since Koch's dis- uh, disposal, has been almost exclusively playing in a 4-3-3, um, and sometimes to their own detriment due to the personnel that they had available – playing central midfielders at right back on more than a handful of occasions uh, and to disastrous effects. I think NYCFC might have been one of those matches, but regardless, (laughs) um, when we saw Jans come in, he immediately picked back up where Dame had been with a a few new pieces at his disposal. So I would fully anticipate that FCC will continue on with the 4-3-3 that we've seen out of them over the last three to four months. And I do anticipate that Jans will build a system around that. Um, it is going to be very Dutch-based. They've stressed that. Um, I know that can mean several different things, but I would expect this to be, be a little bit more free-flowing than what we've seen out of De Boer, who has a little bit more of a rigid take to his
0: 4-3-3. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all develops. DJ Schweitzer covering uh, FC Cincinnati for Pro Soccer USA, and also visit him at Wrong Side of the Pond. And before you go, DJ, so is it us? Are we on
2: the wrong side of the
0: pond, or are they on the
2: wrong side of the pond? So who? Who's see, on- that, that's the beauty of that. That's the beauty <laughs> of that. We don't know who, who or which side is wrong. Okay. It may be one at one time or one at another. You never know.
0: All right. Well, I'll see you on Saturday. FC Cincinnati hosting New York City FC. Thanks, DJ. Day
2: travels, Glenn.
0: Airtime for our broadcast of the FC Cincinnati game on WNYE 91.5 FM and worldwide on the TuneIn app. 7.15 Eastern for the pregame show with Dome Teron, who recently welcomed what he felt may be the final piece to a championship puzzle with the need for depth at the back, in particular on the right side where Anton Tennerholm has logged a major minutes. City trading for Eric Miller of Minnesota United. And I spoke to the Minnesota native on Tuesday at the team's Adidas outing on Fifth Avenue in New York City. I think I'd like to go in chronological order if that's okay for you. Uh, Maybe we'll just. You're from Minnesota, you play club ball there, and uh, in high school, you were named uh, the Gatorade State Player of the Year in Minnesota. I mention that because your girlfriend, now your wife, was also named Gatorade Player of the Year in Minnesota. I don't know if it was the same year, but uh, Cassie Coleman, who a lot of people know through the game if they follow the women's side, Florida State, a great player. Uh, high school sweethearts, is that what happened here?
3: Yeah, so I, I met Cassie through soccer. Um, her brother, Brent Coleman, who plays on Minnesota United now, was my high school teammate. I ended up meeting Cassie uh, when I was 15, she was 16. I couldn't drive a car, which is pretty crazy to think about now. Uh, So she had to pick me up, we were gonna hang out. So yeah, I met her uh, my sophomore year of high school and then uh, we hit it off and yeah, 10 years later we're married, which is crazy. How about that? Why'd you wait so long? Uh, She she asked me the same question for a long time. So uh, I I eventually got there in the end and yeah, so we've been married for uh, six months right now. And yeah, it's been great. Awesome. So
0: then you move on to uh, college at Creighton. And I look at your career and the number of different coaches that you've played for, but you played for one of the guys that's considered one of the top college coaches maybe all time, Elmer Bolovich, who was at UNC, and then you got him at Creighton. Tell me a little bit about him and your development with him.
3: Yeah, Elmar was was fantastic. Um, he's for sure one of the best coaches I've ever had. I think within the game of college soccer, he he really understood How to develop players and then how to just get results i mean obviously you can see from his time at unc the quality of players that came through there he had an eye for talent i think an eye for developing players as well so i think that paired with all the success he had in the field is like you said he's one of the one of the greatest coaches probably in the history of college soccer Um, and then also there i was really lucky that johnny torres was his assistant I think he was probably one of the best assistant coaches for a long, long time in all college soccer. And then now, I think today was, was his first day officially as the head coach when they started the fall program. So I think I was really lucky when I was there with the facilities, with how much the athletic program cares about soccer, that I was able to to play for those two guys, and, and they taught me a lot.
0: And uh, you had Ethan Finley as a teammate as well?
3: Yeah, Ethan Finley, uh, a lot of other guys that ended up in, in MLS at, at one point or another. Brent Coleman was there at the same time, Cassie's brother. Um, yeah, there was my first year, I think we had five or six guys get drafted, so it was, uh, for me it was a great experience. A lot of really good quality players, um, and just kind of a different level than I'd played at before from Minnesota. The, the quality, the training every day, everything was was fantastic. Uh,
0: with Eric Miller, if you're wondering about all the noise, we're at an Adidas event, we're recording this uh, on a Tuesday night. Uh, Eric, you, you moved on to the pro ranks, drafted by Montreal, not much going on there, and then it was the Colorado Rapids where you really kicked off your career three years, two years as a full-time player for sure from what I can see statistically.
3: Yeah, uh, obviously Montreal was was a cool experience, great city, the club was very good, played in the, the Champions League final, which was really cool. Uh, and then, yeah, Colorado was really probably my first time playing a lot of games on a really good team. Uh, that 2016 Rapids team was close to winning a Supporter Shield. We made it to a Western Conference final. Um, yeah, and it was it was just kind of a good experience to be part of a a winning group. We had a lot of veteran players, guys like Sam Cronin, guys like Bobby Berling, Jermaine Jones was there, guys that were really experienced in the league that I I learned a lot from. Uh, Pablo was obviously there as well, he was a guy, really learned a lot from him as well, just kind of the way he motivated guys every day, the way he went about his business, I thought was was really fun to just kind of experience firsthand. Um, Yeah, it was, Colorado was a great experience for me, it was a a great club. So uh, one of
0: the assistants there, Steve Cook, who became the interim when Pablo was released? He told me that you are, are sort of a victim of your versatility at times. You could play a lot of different spots, and uh, you know that one year, 2016, where you gave up so few goals, you were a big part of that. But do you you agree with that a little bit? That you're so versatile, that sometimes it might hold you back.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think there's certainly a uh, jack of all trades, master of none aspect to that. That can sometimes be problem for guys like me that can play but I think I think the other side of the coin is that if I couldn't play left back and center back I probably would have played half the games that I played in MLS so I think for me anytime I can be out on the field I'm, I'm happy to be out there whatever position it may be I think in MLS I've played every position except for the 9 and the 10 so I think kind of for me just to help the team in whatever way I can I'm happy to do it I think a lot of guys that can only do one spot if, if there's a guy that's better than you or that's the only thing you can do I think you kind of Unfortunately, you find yourself in a tough position where there's not a lot you can do and, and you just have to improve. But for me, it's been nice to be able to play different positions, kind of learn different positions as well to kind of understand the game better. So I think, yeah, I, I think being versatile is, is both a positive and a negative.
0: Well, I know Dome Toron has really uh, cherished the players that are versatile because during the game they might change the shape or the system. Uh, you've only been here a short period of time. Uh, what's your experience been as far as learning this system?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's a huge part of how he wants to play. I think in in both the games uh, since I've been here, we we've changed our shape in the middle of them. Uh, so I think guys that are able to understand different shapes, and play in different ways, will find themselves on the field more often than not. So I think, yeah, hopefully Dome sees me as a player that can play in a lot of different positions, which I think he does. And and, and for the most part, I think guys here, you see Ringy, uh, Alex Ring can play in, as a six, as an eight, as a ten. He can kind of do it all. So guys like that that are versatile really help our team in the way we want to play.
0: So you got your first crack uh, against Houston, you got the start, played the full match. Uh, What was your uh, self-evaluation?
3: Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, It's a very different style uh, of play than Minnesota. Um, Very possession-based, obviously, just kind of basically play out of everything. So I think for me, it'll obviously take a little bit to get used to that, Uh, but it's been great so far. The trainings are really, really good. The coaching staff's been very helpful trying to get me integrated. as quickly as possible so i think i I think it was good for the most part obviously i was happy we were able to come back and get the win that was huge um then hopefully i can just chip in wherever needed down the stretch so what were the
0: major differences between maybe an adrian heath coach team and a dome torron what could you specify
3: yeah i think uh with dome it's obviously he talks about playing positional a lot i think he's very tactically minded he really wants to think about the game in, in terms of shapes and that sort of thing and that's something that in Minnesota, we were pretty traditionally going to play a 4-2-3-1 or something like that. We kind of stuck to it most of the time. Obviously, a little bit of flexibility in years past, but I think I think with Dome too. Obviously, he has the the Pep Guardiola background of working with him for so long, where it's kind of constantly playing possession, always trying to keep the ball, and that sort of thing, which has been been really fun to learn the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and if you're going to be a wing back, uh, it's pretty active position. You got to get up and down.
3: Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you see the guys Mata, Anton, they, they do a great job every week. But yeah, you have to play in both boxes. You gotta have an engine, and yeah, you gotta be able to cover some ground. How do you
0: feel about some thinking you're kind of the final cog here because there was no there was no relief for Anton at all?
3: Yeah, I think obviously Anton's one of the better fullbacks in the in the entire league. So I think for for him, with the way the the league is scheduled now, it's it's crammed down a couple weeks, and it has midweek games, and obviously here. We just have an insane amount of games coming throughout the last uh, two months or so of the season. So I think obviously if I can provide some rest and, and push him in training every day to be the best version of himself, I think I think that's great.
0: So what should the supporters know about you, maybe off the field? Who are
3: you? Uh, I'm just a guy that grew up in Minnesota. I'm, I'm moving to New York City. I'm really excited about it. Um, really excited to just explore, check things out, and kind of just explore this amazing place and just kind of see what it has to offer. And every, I've been really lucky to live in Montreal and Denver and all these really cool places that I'm, I'm excited to just get out and explore another really cool place. I
0: gotta ask you, the last time I was in Colorado a couple of years ago, I went about a mile from the stadium, walked, and I saw all these prairie dogs, you know, like their little colony, and then recently we heard about the fleas, the plague, I mean, were you aware of any of this while you were playing there?
3: Yeah, I saw some stuff about the plague, which is pretty crazy. Uh, my parents and my family just always love driving to the game because you see all these, you got to go around the back to where the players park and you see all these prairie dogs. and It's it's really, really weird that there's so many in this kind of concentrated area, But but hopefully they're doing all right. I mean, obviously the plague is tough to get through, but yeah, hopefully they're okay.
0: All right, Eric, thanks so much. Enjoy the city.
3: Thank you very much.
0: That's the newest member of New York City FC, the versatile Eric Miller. And that'll do it for On Frame. A new episode each week on TuneIn, iTunes, and now Spotify. This is Glenn Crooks.